Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Adam Michaels. He's the CEO of Mama Mancini's Holdings. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. So, so Adam, for those not familiar with Mama Mancini's, can you just give us a quick overview of the company? Absolutely. So Mama Mancini's is a uh, prepared foods company. Uh, we focus on the deli. Our vision is to become the, the one-stop shop deli solution for our customers, our customers being grocery stores, club stores, convenience channel, so just about anybody that has uh, kind of deli solutions. We actually started as a uh, sort of family business of sorts. There really is uh, Dan Mancini. I actually just had breakfast with him the other day. So Dan and his grandmother, Anna, Mama Mancini, he started this business, and uh, it's been going on for about 10 years now. So he started with his grandmother. His grandmother came over from Italy back in, I think, 1921. So it's been around for, uh, for, for quite a bit. And, yeah, our goal is to be super high-quality, uh, great-tasting solutions for our consumers and our customers. Very good. So the company's been around, but you've recently taken over the reins as CEO. Can you just touch on your background and what attracted you to the opportunity? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm on, on week three now. So I am uh, I am humming. So yeah, so my background is so I have found I found my passion maybe 15, 20 years ago in the food and beverage space. Um, I started and I did management consulting almost exclusively at a company called Booz Allen Hamilton in the food and beverage space. Truly fell in love with the products and then worked there for about know, seven, eight years or so. And then went to Mondelez, which is the uh, sort of craft spinoff. They're, they're, think of Nabisco, think of Cadbury. And I spent uh, about nine years at Mondelez. I had the great fortune, just an incredible learning experience across all functions, functions of the business. So started in, in our supply chain, chain area and their leadership team, marketing, sales, finance, um, two jobs ago, and and really when I got even more passionate about the consumer, I led all of our, um, pretty much all of our intelligence capabilities. So think consumer insights, think shopper insights, category management, all of our advanced analytics. And, and really, I, I, I used to tell people, or my job was to be the, the megaphone for the consumer. That's how I would articulate it. So it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what my 330 million friends around the United States think. Did that for a number of years, really got close to the consumer and understanding what consumers are looking for and how they tick. And then my last role was uh, I had the great fortune to sort of lead our M&A and our venture opportunities uh, at Mondelez. So over the course of three or four years, acquired four businesses on top of the two that we just had brands like Tate's Bake Shop, brands like Perfect Snacks, which is a refrigerated nutrition bar and, and snacks, companies like um, Give and Go, which is an in-store bakery. They, they make things like uh, two-bite brownies and Kimberly's Cupcakes. And then actually the last, last acquisition I helped lead was uh, with, with Cliff Bar, actually. So did that right before I left and then got super lucky to uh, get a call from uh, Carl Wolf, our chairman of uh, Mama Mancini's, and uh, sort of the rest is history. 
Well, it, it sounds like a, a good fit. Um, what in particular on Ma Mancini's uh, did, did you see uh, that attracted you? Yeah, oh my goodness. So probably three big ones. The first one is, is dance. So, you know, from my work uh, before, consumers connect with brands. It, it means something to them. It's, it's who they are. And to have the, the realness, to have the, the truth of Dan Mancini literally working with us every day. You know, Dan is the one we actually sell on QVC as well, I should mention. Dan is literally on TV like three days a week on QVC. Um, obviously, Dan helps us because there's no one that tells the story better than Dan does when we speak to customers. So the first and foremost is this is a real brand with, with a real family heritage. So that's one that was incredible. The second one is I knew early on in my work that consumers are evolving. They're looking for fresher. They're looking for cleaner foods. They're looking, they, they equate freshness with, with healthier items. So the deli category was very intriguing to me. So just so you understand, the deli category roughly about a $40 billion category, B with a B, a billion, uh, B with a you know, billion, um, $40 billion category. Let's put to the side the sort of the deli meats and the, you know, sliced cheeses, which are great businesses, but not where we play. The prepared food space is $20 billion. So prepared foods is the biggest category within deli and the fastest growing within the category. I think it's about 20% growth over the last 52 weeks. So you enter a, a category that is growing and will continue to grow because that's where I believe the consumer is going. I have a bit of experience in my prior life uh, with, I think I mentioned to you, Give and Go, in-store bakery. The same sort of thing, you know, in the perimeter of the store, fresher ingredients, fresher products. So that's what, you know, the deli space was very attractive. The freshness was very attractive. And I think the third one to me was just the incredible headroom for growth and the belief that there's just tons of tailwinds here. So in past lives, you know, <laughs> it's pretty hard to get Oreo to move faster, right? Oreo's a billion, billion and a half dollar brands growing uh, for the past hundred years. Um, they're already in every store in America, right? It's pretty hard to drive more distribution uh, of an Oreo or a Sour Patch Kid. What's great here is that there's tons of distribution opportunities. There's uh, getting into more stores. There's tons of opportunity to get more items within uh, the existing stores. There's tons of opportunity on innovation. I'd love to talk to you about our, our new meatballs in a cup innovation. Acquisitions. So I mentioned to you earlier, our vision is to become this one-stop shop deli solution provider. We're on our way already because of uh, two acquisitions we made at the end of last year to help expand our, our, our offerings to our customers. So I think with those three things, Dan, the, re the realness of our brand, it really is this family brand, to the category which is where consumers are looking to go. It's where customers need help. You can imagine with labor, they need help from us. And then the third one is, this is literally just the beginning uh, with tons of headroom for growth. Those three together really, uh, really got me excited about the opportunity. 
Very good. So is it a crowded shelf or, or refrigerator space? In the area that, that you play in, um, does it require slotting fees? So it's great. Great question. On So the thing, you know, I put this in the third bucket of what I just mentioned. What's great is that there's no market leader today. It is a very, very, very fragmented space, this $20 billion prepared food space. So there's tons of opportunity to, to have this, to, to build this market leadership. We're going to do that through top-notch service, high-quality items, you know, the acquisition. So just if I can for a moment, we started with Space Mom Mancini, right? That's primarily our consumers know about us with our meatloaf or our meatballs or turkey meatballs, sausage and peppers, a lot of Italian, the, the old world Italian heritage. Lots of, we have these meals for one, so think about, we have an amazing I had for lunch today, don't tell anybody, a, a penne vodka that is, I think, probably my favorite product that we sell here along with our meatballs. You know, tons of these meals for one. So think Italian heritage with mamas. What we did is in December bought a company called TNL Creative Salads. And what they do is they continue to expand the, the, the case for us. So they do a lot of the, because you know, it's a great name, the salads, right? Think pasta salads, think the, the couscous of the world. They actually make sandwiches. They have amazing actually grilled chicken. We have our own grillers. We have two facilities which we could talk about. That expanded the case. And then we bought a company called Olive Branch, which again, because we're really good marketers, <laughs> make olives. So hopefully you're seeing, if you close your eyes and you think of the deli case, what we keep doing is we keep sort of ticking off the things that we don't have through acquisitions or our own internal growth. So I envision over the, the, next, you know, the next years, half of our growth coming organically. I mentioned to you tons of headroom for growth from a distribution standpoint. And then half of our growth possibly coming from inorganic. You know, there are things that we could always be expanding into. If you looked at uh, just so happens Dan Mancini, you know, has an awesome Instagram feed. If you guys check that out, he made, because he used to make with his grandmother, uh, he made uh, pizzas yesterday, and he put them up on his Instagram feed. It's probably, I would hope, it's not a stretch for you to see uh, Mama Mancini's making fresh pizzas. Whereas, you know, I'll say something to make you laugh. Uh, the, the sushi, sushi is a big growth uh, um, area in the, in store, in the deli. You know, Dan didn't make sushi with his grandmother, so that's something that, you know, more likely than not we'd acquire versus grow organically. So hopefully that's, that's helpful to, to explain that. Yes, so it, it's sounding to me like it's under more than one brand. Uh, is that yep. the case? And also, how many different SKUs do you guys presently have? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have, so our business is probably 50-50 branded and private label. We want to provide the flexibility for our customers, but equally, obviously, branding is where we prefer. What, what's great is that our margins are actually pretty comparable between branded and, and private label. So while I personally have a preference for branded because consumers have the comfort and know the high quality that Mama Mancini's has, we want to provide that, that flexibility for our customers. So 50-50 branded, unbranded, skew-wise, I'd probably say, and I'm, I'm rough estimating, so between Mama Mancini's and the T&L solutions, you know, probably, I don't know, probably 200 sort of core SKUs, you know, maybe 
Yeah, 300 total. Some of those are, you know, meatballs in different variations. You know, the, the goal, part of the things I want to do as I uh, come in here is to um, be a little more focused in our products. Obviously, that's going to drive operational efficiency and, uh, and drive the plant better. But, yeah, I mean, probably closer to uh, 100, 50 to 100, that's the, the 80%. We talk about, you know, our, we call them like, <laughs> probably not the right word, but sort of the, the, the dirty dozen, our top dozen, and, and that accounts for more than 50% of our sales, which is great. Okay. And, and so are you preparing out of a hub and spoke, or is it through one facility? So we have two facilities, two manufacturing facilities. We have one in East Rutherford, New Jersey, um, and that's where we make a lot of the beef products and turkey products. Uh, that's sort of the legacy Mom Mancini's facility. And then we have another facility of roughly equal size in uh, Farmingdale, New York, in Long Island. And, um, and we do a lot of our salads there, the olives there, the grilled chicken there. Okay. But oh, so yeah, all of it is produced. We produce everything. We're, we're, we're the manufacturer. Okay. And in terms of growth, um, what kind of capacity do you have? And, and do you have to set up other facilities throughout the country? Yep. We're in, we're in great shape now. One of the things that made the T&L acquisition in December so attractive is, it, like I mentioned, it sort of doubled our manufacturing capability. That's wonderful. There's always... Um, there's always a constraint somewhere, you know, as you continue to grow, you know, all the, all the business school students that remember Kirby from the, the famous operations book, you know, there's, there's always a constraint somewhere in the system as we grow, but the good news is definitely lots of room for growth. That said, I would love to tell you as we continue to grow, a West Coast facility would be incredible. In my, you know, dream world, you know, finding another company that could add to our one-stop shop deli solution, and they just so happen to have manufacturing capabilities on the West Coast, that would be a, uh, a great holiday present if we, uh, if we could get that. So are you presently selling nationwide or is it regional? Yep, nationwide. So um, again, we have everything from smaller up and down the street customers. We literally have some of our own trucks and sell to sort of, you know, Joe's Bagel Shop. So we have some of those. And then we have national customers. So whether it be, you know, BJ's or Sam, you know, we do very well in, in Club Channel, whether it be, you know, the Albertsons of the world or the Aholds of the world. So national, uh, national distribution. Okay. How about supply chain uh, or sourcing of ingredients? Is there anything a challenge there for you? Um, the great news is that our biggest raw materials, our biggest commodities are chicken and beef. That's all, you know, made in America, which obviously is very good from a supply chain standpoint these days, at least relative to, to transport and freight around the world. I had some experience with that in my past uh, life, and that was certainly a challenge. There's some items that we have internationally. You think of some of the cheeses that we want, but at a much smaller percentage. So we've been lucky from a uh, somewhat from a you know, logistics standpoint, Obviously, commodity prices, if you've been following it, would be an incredibly fun roller coaster ride if, if I wasn't living it. But, uh, you know, prices that we've seen on things like chicken have literally, you know, some of the stuff went from literally $1.50 to 
a pound before COVID to over 365, you know, the top. Now it's coming back down below two dollars, but uh, you could definitely get uh, a little bit thick uh, from the up and downs. So that's where some of the challenges have been. The good news is we're starting to see um, that stabilize and actually come down to uh, more reasonable levels. Have you been able to pass that on or adjust quickly? Um, I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, in my, my role, I think we, we could have gone faster, you know, before I got here. We're doing it now, and we've done some of it before, but I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that in my three weeks working here, and I, I cheated a little bit and came, uh, you know, a month or so earlier just to meet the team and, and get my bearings straight, learn where the bathroom was. That's one thing that we've been putting a lot of effort into. So revising our pricing models, understanding the fully loaded costs uh, where we are today and pricing accordingly. So I think that's one opportunity that I think we could have done better over the prior 12 to 18 months, but something I'm very excited about because I think you're going to see true price realization and margin improvement now that we have both the double of pricing pro- appropriately and investing a lot more time into uh, procurement and operational effectiveness to help drive down the costs as well. Okay. And then how are you reaching the customers? Um, are you selling direct or distributors or what channels? Yep. So like I mentioned, most, uh, most channels, think grocery, think club channels are some of our biggest uh, areas. We go through you know, we sell some direct, we sell some uh, through brokers. So we have a good, strong broker network as well, and obviously a uh, logistics freight operators uh, that help us. But yeah, I, I mentioned to you, QVC is a great, great opportunity for us and a great channel for us. It's great because we have incredibly loyal uh, consumers. We actually just won the... Uh, I don't know if you, you follow the, the quote-unquote Emmys of uh, QVC happened actually last Thursday, and we won four awards. We actually won Most Recommended Brand, which is their you know, top award, uh, four years in a row now, which is pretty unprecedented, which is awesome. So incredibly loyal consumers. It's also a great way for us to test in real time new products that we think are going to do well, and obviously consumers, you know, early testing tell us, but then we could kind of roll out a little more at QVC. So it's a great marketing and innovation channel for us. Very good. And gross margins, where are they now, and and where should they go? Yeah, historically, gross margins have been in the high 20s, very low 30 range, one of the things with our TNL acquisition, they have a slightly different business model that has lower gross margins, but the same uh, net income margins as ours, so it's more just on the top line. So it'll, be, it'll come down uh, a little bit by design. We knew that. Um, but our long-term targets that we have, our mid, mid-20s will be gross margins, and then high single digits for uh, sort of uh, net income you know, EBIT, VT margins long-term. Okay, so you touched on this a little before on your, on your growth strategy in terms of acquisitions or internal. Do, do you have a lot on the table for, for acquisitions? I think there's a, a bit we, 
we have to do now? So first, me coming in, I want to make sure that our business is you know, humming, doing well, just a basic block and tackling. I would say that uh, at times I'm not the, um, the, the coolest CEO. I'm just a huge believer in just back to the basics, cash conversion cycle, getting, the, getting everything humming really well. Um, so that's a piece of it that I want to do. And then the other piece is um, I want to make sure that we take advantage, maximize the opportunities of these past two acquisitions. So in my old world, I uh, quote-unquote literally wrote the book on how do you do, how do you source and identify targets, how do you model them and do uh, the diligence to figure out what to pay for them, what to, once it's, did the deals done, how to in integrate them and, and, and capture all the synergies that you identified before you actually did this. So I think that there is a bit of work we can uh, still do on these existing innovation, uh, these existing um, acquisitions, um, but it's definitely we're still scanning, we're still, you know, if, if we identify something, you know, we'll be prepared. But I think that there's a lot we can do on our base business right now. And, and the organic growth. I mentioned to you earlier, distribution, average items carried, tons of opportunity there. And then things like innovation. So, you know, one innovation that I don't know if you've had a chance to see is called Meatballs in a Cup. And this innovation is pretty special. A word that you know, my, my team, I'm sure, is tired of hearing from me already is the word incremental. Everything to me is probably the top three most important words for me right, because I used to be a big innovation guy, and I think as I'm getting older, realizing and, and recognizing that it has to be incremental innovation. This meatballs in a cup is a great incremental innovation, if I could explain. So first, it's incremental because it sort of ages down our consumer base. The meatballs in a cup is a younger audience. That's incremental, incremental consumers. The second one is, I mentioned to you, we're very strong in the club channel and the grocery store channel and the mass channel. You know, there's a lot of opportunity in the convenience channel. The meatballs in a cup is literally, and again, I don't know if you've seen it, it's literally, uh, I believe it's seven ounces, a cup that you could heat up right then and there, and it's on the go. Literally, it's that easy. There's, I believe there's seven meatballs, six, seven meatballs, and it's just a great you know, snack or, or meal replacement. So younger consumer gets us into a new channel with the convenience channel. The other one that I sort of just mentioned, most of our products historically have been sort of center plate items. So think meatloaf, think balsamic chicken. This is a great product because it gets into that snacking occasion. Get home from school, uh, get home from uh, work, and you want something to kind of tide you over before dinner or, you know, I don't know when. But the whole idea is, you know, it's the sort of meal bridge. That's another reason. So what we're looking for is truly incremental innovation, and the meatballs in a cup really is delivering that for us in spades. Very good. So are you presently selling outside the U.S.? Is, is that a growth opportunity for you, or do you have enough on your plate with the U.S.? I think we have enough on our plate, so we do some stuff in Canada, but I would, I, I, I'd like to focus us on the U.S. You know, I promise, I promise once we become the one-stop shop deli solution in the U.S., it is a, uh, it, it's easier to, uh, to replicate in other, other countries, but the focus is on the U.S. right now. 
Okay, this might be unfair since you're fresh there, but as we monitor the company over the next 12 months, what are some of the events or catalysts we should watch for? Um, I think that there's uh, probably three things. So the first one that I would love people to hear on you know, my future earnings calls is what I mentioned to you earlier around the cross-selling of our different businesses. So you know, we had a great example of we have one of our club stores we sell our meatballs into. We went to them. They wanted more of our meatballs. We said, hey, we have this great business that makes uh, grilled chicken and makes sandwiches. And we actually brought in four new items from our, our T&L business. And, you know, vice versa. The way T&L works is a part of their business is, I mentioned to you earlier, kind of up and down the street uh, at the smaller delis. They're there every day. So the truck's already going there. Hey, why don't you try these new meatballs that you can put in your hot bar or, or behind the, the counter? So one is I'd love for you to see and hear us talk more about cross-selling our, our, our different customers. That's one. Two, I think you're going to hear more. So Meatballs in a Cup, I mentioned to you we launched on QVC, literally selling out every single time, full sellout. And we have actually this auto replenishment. So now people are not only buying for you know, this week, but you know, they're getting them every couple months. So I think the Meatballs in a Cup is another – massive opportunity for us, and, and you'll see that. And then lastly, and I told you it's not, uh, it, it's not, it's not pretty or uh, fun to talk about, but you're not going to hear me stop talking about just the blocking and tackling, managing our costs, and, and ultimately our margin, managing our, you know, I, I call it general controls. And when I say controls, I mean like KPIs measuring operational KPIs and finance KPIs and sales KPIs because I truly believe the cliche of, you know, what gets measured gets improved. Um, and then lastly, and you might not see it as much in the earnings calls, but I promise you you'd see it if you came to the office, is, is culture. So, you know, we have these different teams. We all have to row the boat together. I think we have an amazing, amazing organization I'm so proud to be part of their team, um, and we're going to continue to just drive an incredible culture in the organization. So those would be the three that I'd tell you that we would uh, – hopefully you'll hear us talk about each, each quarter. Very good. So before we go, is there anything that I didn't ask that you wish I did ask? And also, what key takeaway do you want to leave us with? Yeah, I think it's – you know – First of all, I just I wish and, and hope everyone could see the, the specialness of uh, Mama Mancini's and Dan Mancini. You go up to the, the website, mamamancini's.com. You go to QBC, and, you know, their, their uh, website or their app, and you see Dan, and you just can't not fall in love with the guy and with the company. Um, our, our customer satisfaction numbers are in the high 90s. Every time people try our products, they just love them because we really care so deeply about the quality of the items. So I think it's just a special place, and I truly believe that there is no one. It, there's no market leader today in the deli, and with all the challenges that the delis are having, the grocery stores are having around labor and, and challenges there and space, we provide that solution to our customers by being that one-stop shop. So 
we deliver for them these prepared meals that are fresh and ready to go. With the challenges of the economy right now, which obviously we all monitor every single day, it's going to be harder for people, unfortunately, and people are not going to be able to go out to the restaurants. And what we want to provide is sort of restaurant quality, or actually I have to correct myself, Dan always reminds me, grandma quality products at grocery store prices. So our goal is to help our retailers. Our goal is to help our consumers have just, you know, an amazing experience with their meals. So thank you again for, for having me. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Please uh, reach back out in the future. We'd love to tell you how things keep going. Well, thank you. Appreciate uh, your time and hearing the story. Thanks so much, Jeff. Have a great day. Cheers.